puzzling RV or camping question you don't know the answer to? Are you thinking you're the only one who can't get their propane detector to stop chirping? Well, you're not alone, and today I am answering the questions posed by Girl Campers. It's Q&A day on the Girl Camper Podcast. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Today's episode is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 12 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing sponsorship are our friends at Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And of course, Liberty Outdoors, manufacturers of the award-winning Max and Mini Max travel trailers. Thank you, Girl Camper Sponsors, for allowing me to bring great RV content to outdoor enthusiasts everywhere. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster, and this is episode 176 of Girl Camper, the podcast. On this week's podcast, I'm taking your questions and hopefully helping put your mind at ease about some of the things that are gnawing away at your confidence. I asked Girl Campers to send me their questions and today I'm working my way through that list. Stay tuned and see if one of them isn't an unanswered question of yours. Before we start learning, I have a message from Campco Manufacturing, the maker of all the fun things for towing, tailgating, grilling, boating, RVing, things for having fun, and things for maintaining your boat or RV. Part of spring cleanup means the washdown of the whole trailer. I just did my little trailer and I had to remove all the black streaks that somehow form on your camper over the winter. Those black streaks actually come from the black rubber gasket that goes around the windows on RV campers, so they're pretty much the same no matter who the manufacturer is. But Campco makes a product called ProMaster Black Streak Remover. I just did it on mine. It easily removes black streaks, but also bugs, tar, grease, oil, and dirt, all those things that get on your camper when you're using it. It's great for use around the window trim, the gutter rails, the grill, so much more. I used it to clean my diamond plate up front 
It's an excellent degreaser for all those other heavy duty projects too. It comes in professional strength and it's ready to use. You do not have to put it in, mix it, dilute it, anything like that. It comes in a 32 ounce spray bottle. So you just spray where the streaks are and wipe it down with a damp soft cloth and then you hose the whole trailer down and voila, it's beautiful again. Now, I said it has a 32 ounce bottle. You can get that at Amazon for under $5. It was like $4.95 or something like that. But if you have one of those big fifth wheels, it comes in a gallon container too. So thank you Camco for supporting Girl Campers. Okay, I'm going to say right off the bat that I really always like the Q&A shows. <laughs> I feel like they kind of keep me on my toes. It's funny to me when I read the questions because sometimes I immediately know the answer. But then sometimes I have to think to myself, well, wait a minute, I used to know the answer to this. And it makes me refresh my memory on things that I once knew by heart. And I'm going to tell you that sometimes I have to place the call to my friend Mark Polk at RV Education 101 and make sure I'm getting this thing right. So I want to start off with our very first question. It's from Michelle Cole. I posted these on the Girl Camper Facebook page, everybody. So if you're not following along on our Girl Camper Facebook page, there's tons of good stuff happening there every day. So Michelle posted this question. She wanted to know if a travel trailer was preferable to a motorhome with with a car pulled behind it. And she asked which of these would get better gas mileage. So here's the answer to that, Michelle. The gas mileage is gonna depend on what you are driving or towing and what you are taking along with you. So there's no front runner here. Choosing an RV is really, really a personal choice and so many factors are at play. It just really depends on what kind of camper you are, how much traveling you plan to do. Are you gonna travel alone? Are you traveling with a partner? Are you gonna be taking a pet along? And you know, we talked about this on a past show, what's your camping style? Are you one of these simple, get it done, just need a bed? Or are you a glamper? I'm making this my home away from home and I want all the things in my RV that make me feel good at home. If you're someone who's gonna camp with all the bells and whistles, you're gonna be towing something or driving something that weighs more. So in 2018, I spent the whole year listing the pros and cons of each kind of trailer out there. We did reimagining the toy hauler. We did teardrops, class A's, class B's, class C's, as well as the pros and cons of a motorhome versus a travel trailer. So I am gonna put the links for all of those shows. There's like six or seven shows we did over the course of a year. We did one a month, I think, or one every five or six weeks all last year. So it's best to go back and make that your starting point. So if you are new to this and you're thinking, what is the right thing for me? You've you have a starting point here. So I would listen to all of those shows first. I'm gonna link them all in the blog post that is attached to this podcast. So every single week, if you are a subscriber, the podcast comes automatically to your inbox on Tuesday mornings. If you don't want to listen to it on iTunes, you can simply scroll down and check the arrow, click the arrow at the bottom of that 
um, podcast or blog post, and it's going to play in whatever your media player is attached to in your phone or on your laptop or desktop. So I will say that for me personally, I chose a travel trailer because once I arrive at wherever I'm going, then I can just jump in my truck and tour the area without bringing my campsite with me. And that works for me. But I know lots of women who prefer a motorhome because they feel safer knowing that in the event of any danger, they can just get behind the wheel and pull away. Now, if you choose a motorhome and then you tow something behind it to drive around in once you get where you're going, then you can achieve kind of the best of both worlds by most people's standards. You've got that feeling of safety that comes with knowing that you don't have to get out of your RV if you ever wanted to pull away, but you can still zip around and do touristy things in the car that you're towing behind you. Of course, you're still towing. So if towing is the problem, then that system doesn't work for you. So anyway, Michelle, to each his own. As you know, we like to say here at Girl Camper Headquarters that there is no wrong way to camp like a girl. And we really mean that. All of those episodes that I referenced contain the pros and cons of each choice. It's whatever is going to make you happy. And a lot of people want to give you their input on this, but this is kind of one of those things where you kind of got to be still and silent and listen to your own voice, get all the information, but then ultimately up to you. So when you think that you have chosen the one that makes the most sense for you, I then suggest you get online and take it a step further by joining the online groups of owners and asking lots of questions there. After you do that, I want you to take it even a step further by tapping into the solo women groups online and asking those solo travelers if they're happy with their choice and if there's anything they're unhappy with. Because something that makes someone else unhappy about their choice may not even be a factor for you. So it's not um, a good idea to avoid that question. Ask that question and see what the answer is. So research, 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 and those podcasts are just the beginning. And Michelle, have fun with the journey. I'm going to be curious to see what you end up choosing. So keep us posted. Okay, moving on to a question submitted by Beth Jordan. Is it okay to turn your propane fridge on the day before you leave so it's cold in the morning? So, Beth, not only is it okay, it's highly recommended. Now, I have a three-way refrigerator, so I actually plug mine in in the driveway before I leave. The night before, I always plug it in. Um, Even though I have a 30 amp, I plug it in to my plug in the garage, which is only a 20 amp. I want to talk about this because some people are like, I can't plug it into my house because I'm a 30 amp trailer. And I happen to know because my husband is a home inspector, there's only 20 amps on that plug in the garage. But 30 is the max you're using. So you're plugging it in to... Uh, an outlet that only has 20 amps in it, but you're not turning the whole trailer on at one time. You're just going to be running the refrigerator. So I plug mine in. RV refrigerators work best when they are pre-chilled and when you place already cold food in them. So if you have come from the grocery store and you have 
bottles of juice that, you know, cranberry juice cocktail and it came off the shelf and you're putting it in that fridge and it's room temperature, it is going to take a really long time to get cold. So I did a mini podcast episode about this a while back on tips and tricks for getting the best performance out of your RV refrigerator. I'm going to put the link for that show in this blog, um, blog post so that you can see what those tips are. It's really a little bit of a science to effectively using an RV refrigerator, but I'll give you a couple tips here because that would just be mean if I did it. So here's a couple. There's like 15 altogether, but here's a few. Plug it in the night before so it is cold when you put your food in it. Make sure that the food you put in it is already cold. Buy an RV refrigerator air circulator to keep the air moving around your um, RV refrigerator. Camco makes several different kinds. I have the one that hangs from one of the little wire racks. RV refrigerators are not like your home refrigerator. They don't have a little fan that comes on and blows all the cool air around. You gotta kind of put that fan in there yourself. Set it on auto and then it will run on electricity as soon as you plug it in. So when you disconnect it, it'll automatically go back to propane. I am a person who travels with my propane on. If you are one of those people, you must form the habit and never, never take a chance. You must stop before you pull up to a gas tank. Open the tank, open your little, um, I have a cover on mine, turn your propane tank off and then pull up and get gas and then don't forget to turn it back on. Because it's on auto, it's gonna click, click, click and then it's gonna light right away by itself. So you don't have to do anything but turn it back on. So for the quick retrieval of food, organize the lunch foods or snacks in plastic. So I went to the dollar store and I bought these open weave baskets and bins. So if I'm gonna make a sandwich, I put the lunch meat, I put the cheese, I put the mayonnaise, I put whatever I'm gonna put on a sandwich in that basket. When I get to the rest stop and I pull it out, I'm not keeping the fridge door open while I search around for everything. So those are a couple of my tips. There's about 10 more in that um, blog post and podcast. So I'm going to let you go and figure the rest out yourself. Okay, I'm moving on here. I am answering a question from Deborah Allen. Deborah says, I am using my Ford Transit Connect to Car Camp. What kind of extension cord or converter can I use to run my refrigerator, DVD, or pressure cooker? So for those who don't car camp, and I just love the whole idea of car camping, I, I've car camped with many women now because it is a great way for those who want to be girl campers but are years away from buying an RV or maybe never even want an RV. They just want to go camping and an RV isn't a goal of theirs. So I love the whole idea. So many of my friends that do car camping carry a little refrigerator with them. So there's a couple of different kinds. I actually have one of these that I got when I went to Yellowstone because we were gone for the entire day. We left in the morning at like 7 a.m. and we didn't get back till six or seven at night. So I have a multifunctional um, RV refrigerator cooler that can run on 12 volt, but I can also plug it in. So that's an option for car campers. So 
When you arrive at the campground, the great thing about car camping is that you are already set up. I just think it's such a great option for so many people. You don't have to set up a tent. You don't have to find level ground. If it's raining, you're bound to be drier in your car and a little more comfortable probably in your car than you are in a tent. You are off the ground and you can make your camp before you leave home. I love this whole thing where you're out in your driveway and you're making up your bed and you're getting it all set up and then you arrive at the campground and you're done. So I think what Deborah is talking about here is some kind of refrigerator like that or getting electric inside that car because if it were hot out, you wanna be able to run a fan and she's talking about being able to sit in there with her laptop or DVD player and watch a movie. So one of the things that I just found out about, and it's because my friend Jackie Blanche, who is not a car camper, but she's a teardrop camper. And she has the refrigerator that I talked about in the back of her Subaru. So she opens the hatch and she's actually put her little RV refrigerator on a slide out in the back of her Subaru. So she wants to plug that in. So she'll get a campsite with electric on it and plug it in. And she just showed me this really um, cool um, device. It is a three prong plug. So you're going to need the three uh, prong for any kind of appliance like that. But a lot of times when you plug in a three prong device, it covers up the socket under it. So instead of having two available sockets, now you only have one. So this is a three prong device. And when you plug it into the outlet, it somehow rotates. So the cord around it um, swivels. So you can move it up or to the side so you have use of the plug underneath you. The other cool thing about this little gadget is that the actual extension cord itself is flat. It's not a big round cord. If you had one of the big round cords and then you shut the back of your tailgate on top of it or your door, it would really compress the round um, cord. This is flat, so it makes it easy for you to shut your tailgate or your door. If you have one of these, at the end of that plug is actually a cord that allows you to plug in three separate things. So I have put the link for this cool little product in our show notes today. It's $12 for the eight foot model, but this company makes them in varying lengths so you can get all kinds of them depending on how much cord you need, but you would plug this into the um, outlet at the campsite, at the campsite at the campground, and then you can run it into your car and have a fan going, have your DVD player on, charge your appliances and keep your refrigerator running. So thank you for that, uh, Deborah. I hope that helps you. Okay, I'm moving on here and I have a question from our friend Sandy Newkirk who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Sandy posted a question. How often do you clean the fresh water tank and how do you do it? So Sandy, that all depends on how often you use it. If you're a full-timer, as Sandy is, twice a year will do the trick. So full-timers are changing that water out daily. They're using it every single day. And because they're using it so often, it doesn't have a chance to sit and grow bacteria. If, however, you only use your RV every couple of weeks, every other weekend, and it might sit for weeks or even months in, be uh, in between, 
chances are that bacteria could grow in your tank and that water is no longer considered potable. So it's really easy to clean your RV water tank at home with regular household bleach. I'm gonna put this in the show notes and we did a show with Mark Polk a couple weeks ago about spring cleaning and Mark covered this, but I'm gonna do a quick recap here. The first thing that you wanna do is close all the drains and make sure the drain plugs are all installed. So then you add a quarter cup of household bleach for every 15 gallons of water the tank holds. So if you have a 30 gallon tank, have a cup of bleach in there. And you put that in like a one gallon container and dilute that bleach in there. And then you're going to need a funnel in order to pour that bleachy water into your fresh water tank. So get that in the fresh water tank and then get your garden hose and fully fill the tank completely with fresh water. After you do that, you go inside and you turn on your pump and you open all of the valves, all of them, the sink, the shower, the outdoor shower, and the toilet, keep filling that toilet, keep compressing that handle until that water is coming through the toilet. So every single way you can get water in that trailer, you open up those valves. Then you do that until you smell bleach, that bleach water is pumping through there. Then you close all the faucets, turn everything off, and you let that bleach water sit there for at least 12 hours. The following day, you go back and you drain all the water out, you refill that tank with potable water, and then you turn all the faucets back on again and you keep running them until you no longer smell bleach. So you might have to do this two times. You might have to completely empty the contents of your tank and fill it up again, but it's that easy. It's just time and a dollar's worth of bleach. So I love that there are RV projectors out there that don't require us to have um, a trip into the RV dealership. So thank you, Sandy. I hope that helps you. Okay, we're moving on here and we have a question from Sheila Essen. She wants to know, why do SUVs with a 5K towing capacity and a tow package come only with a four pin connector and no trailer brakes? Then the buyer has to do all of these mods if they want to tow. So Sheila, if I had to venture a guess here, I would say it's simply a matter of cost. Only a small percentage of the people who are buying an SUV with towing ability are actually gonna use it to tow something. So in the world of tow vehicles, 5K is kind of the minimum. And think about how many SUVs are out there on the road every day, just taking kids to soccer and dads to work and moms to you know, the grocery store, all the things that we're doing. It's really the uh, minority of those that are going to be used to tow something. So it's really just not in their best financial interest to install them. And customers are not demanding it. You would never see that on all of the big trucks. All of the big quarter ton trucks and diesel pushers and all that, this is a standard feature because statistics show that it's likely to be used for a boat, an RV, as a flatbed trailer. Big trucks like that are often used as utility trailers. People who do lawns and you know uh, house builders and things like that, pulling utility trailers, 
they are really built for that and that's why people buy them. I'm just grateful that the wiring is there to begin with, even if it's just four prong, because there are several different brands of adapters that will turn a four prong into a seven way with very little effort or expense. I used one for years on my trailer. If you do decide to have trailer brake controller put in, I will advise you to have a professional do that. My husband, God bless him, was going to save us the $100 and install one himself on my old SUV. Okay, how can I put this? Multiple trips to AutoZone, hours spent on YouTube, and many, many unorthodox cut into my vinyl and my rugs. He finally got the thing in with no shortage of duct tape, I might add, and it never ever worked correctly. <laughs> I finally just said, you know what, I'm taking this to a professional and I had it done. Now, my husband is usually the kind of person who can fix anything, so he gave it the old college try, but there are some things that you just can't and shouldn't do yourself, and in my opinion, this is one of them. So I hope that helps you, Sheila. Okay. I have a question from my friend, and I think she's teasing me a little here. This is from Gail Crawford, BFF in Ohio there. Thank you, Gail. Gail said, do I have a favorite campground? You know Gail is a camp host at a state park. She wants to know, do I prefer franchise, state park, national park, or private? So you know what? I really was thinking about this and not being glib because I think my friend is teasing me a little because, of course, Gail loves state parks and Gail State Park is very pretty, if not very rustic. It is pretty, but it is rustic. And I really thought about this and here's what I concluded. I think that I usually always like the one that I am at. I am so happy to be out of the house and at a campground that I really don't care very much about the amenities. I'm just as happy when I'm at a full facility place as when I am at a state park. When I'm camping, I'm pretty much in my you know happy zone to begin with. That being said, I will say that there are some things I don't like about campgrounds, like aspects of campgrounds that can be applied to all campgrounds. I don't care if they're private, public, state, or national parks. I do not like being right on top of someone with no privacy lined up, like Fishing Bridge in Yellowstone. I mean, for crying out loud, we were in Yellowstone, so it's hard to complain, but that was a parking lot. There were no fire rings, no picnic tables. We were just all parked one on top of each other. So I loved camping with family and dear friends, so that was good. And it's all a trade-off. We were squished, but we were at Yellowstone, so kind of let it go, you know? So who cares if we can hear what our neighbors are talking about having for dinner? I think, too, that I'm sort of a Pollyanna. I'm sort of one of those glasses half full kind of people, just saying, maybe that's true about me. So when I'm out camping, what I like first of all about it is just that I'm there with the girl campers, that I'm there with friends, that that I'm out of my you know work zone and house zone and housework and duty zone. <laughs> and I have the camper there with me. And to me, that camper is such a symbol of just like freedom when I'm in it. It's so relaxing to me. 
There's not a project waiting to be done. There's not a, a load of laundry underneath it that needs to be folded. And it's always fun for me to just be out there meeting new people and getting together with old friends. I love watching other people and the learning process of camping. The second thing I really love about camping is that I just really love the feeling of being unplugged. Um, not right away, because I have to tell you that I'm, I'm pretty much constantly checking my phone for updates and stuff. So when I get to the campground, it takes me 12 to 24 hours to come down from that. And once I do, and I, f I realize, you know, nothing works here. Stop checking your phone. There isn't going to be something there because nothing works here. Then I go into my default mood <laughs> and I start reading and I sew and I knit and all of those things bring me down. So I, I just love that process of decompressing out there. And usually by Sunday or Monday, I really do not want to go home. The last thing I will add about camping, no matter where you are, is for me, there's absolutely no substitute for a campfire or a babbling brook. When I was at Camp Taylor Campground a few weeks ago, I had my favorite Creekside site because I booked it months and months in advance. And I got in there at night and I opened that big rear window on my Max trailer and, and the sound of that babbling brook, just that water tumbling over the rocks all night long, I fell onto that bed and I, I could barely keep my eyes open. It was so lulling and so beautiful. And I woke up once or twice in the night and it just lulled me back to sleep. And I don't know, there's just no substitute for those things. So I don't care what kind of campground it is, as long as it gives me those things that I love about camping. So that was the long answer, Gail. I'm sorry about that. Okay, I have a question from Jean Gaffney who says, my propane detector keeps going off. I've replaced it and it keeps happening, although I have had all the lines checked and everything seems fine. Jean, I feel your pain here, honey. This is such, like I can't even tell you how many times this happens. It's happened to me multiple times. So it's a really common problem and I don't want anyone to solve the problem by disconnecting the detector. Here's a couple of steps you can do to check it out. First thing you do is turn off your propane tanks and make sure there isn't a leak. So the thing is going off, which indicates a leak, but in your mind you're like, oh, brand new trailer, unlikely that it's leaking, right? Turn the tanks off, open all the windows, air out the trailer. If the thing is still chirping away, there's no possible way a propane leak could be causing it to go off. So next thing you do is if it's a battery operated device, and that is the case in most older trailers, if a lot of people who have a vintage trailer buy a plug-in one, if it's an older one, you have to change batteries on it and just make sure to put back, uh, fresh batteries in. You know, you always wanna start with the easy answer. In newer trailers, they are all by law hardwired to the trailer. So the best thing to do with that is get a little vacuum and vacuum the little grill that is going over the front of the detector to get any kind of dust out of it or any little thing that could be irritating it and activating it. 
These propane detectors and all detectors in your trailer, they're super sensitive to any chemicals that get in the air and set it off. So if you used hairspray or you sprayed yourself inside your trailer with bug spray, or you clean something with a really strong cleaning product, that could set it off. So open all the windows and see if it goes off. And the last thing you should do is check your fuses. So sometimes you can have a power surge at the campground. And maybe you were hiking or at the store or out doing something and you didn't even know the power surge happened. Every power surge that happens isn't detectable in your trailer. You might be in there and maybe the lights dimmed for a second or maybe you weren't there at all and you didn't see anything happen. But a power surge can often affect a fuse. So check the fuse and hopefully you have a little map that tells you which fuse is which. Pull out the fuse that is connected to your propane detector. Sometimes it's really hard to tell if the fuse is broken. The little, um, the little bar there has broken in half. I have a container that has all different size fuse boxes in it. I never had this, not fuse boxes, fuses. I never had this, but had to borrow one from my friend Jackie a few weeks ago when we were camping. So I went right out and bought this. Just pull it out and replace it with a new one and see if that doesn't stop it. So if you do all of this and it's still beeping, turn the propane tanks off and remo remove that fuse so that it will stop beeping and then you're gonna have to take it into the dealer. But chances are it's not a propane leak. So those are my tips for that. Okay, we have one last question here and that's from our friend Mary Curlin, who's a California girl camper. For those that live in warmer climates and don't winterize their trailer, what do we have to check in the spring? Well, if you don't winterize your trailer because you live in an area that's not prone to freezing, I just need you to know that you should still empty all of your tanks. Even if you live in Southern Florida, empty all of your tanks. At the end of the season, open all the valves and let all of the water run out of everything in your RV that holds water. The toilet, the fresh water tank, the gray water tank, hopefully you've dumped your black water tank at the campground before you brought it home. Get all the water out of your hot water heater and don't forget to do the outdoor shower because there could still be water left in that hose. So I leave all the valves open all winter long. I actually winterize mine, but when I had it in the um, garage, it, in our old house, it fit in a barn, and I did not um, put winterizer in it because the barn was quite warm. But if you have it stored in an area where you are not likely to freeze, keep those valves open. If you're gonna winterize it, obviously you have to close these things. So. In the first part of spring, you have to close all of those valves again and then fill those tanks with fresh water on a nice dry day. Turn on the water pump and then run all of the faucets. When all the faucets are running inside, then go underneath the trailer and see if you see anything that is leaking. So this is why I say you have to do it on a dry, a dry day. Put it in your driveway and see if anything starts uh, starts leaking there. So if you don't see anything leaking, chances are good that you have dry tanks to begin with. 
So follow this system we talked about earlier for sanitizing your tanks and then listen to the podcast we did with Mark Polk earlier in the spring about spring projects for your RV. So in addition to those tanks, you're going to want to check your battery for good health. You want to check all the window seals. You want to check all of your vents for cracks. And of course, you're going to want to check your tires before you hit the road. So that is part one of our Ask a Girl Camper a question. Next week, I'm going to finish off this list. I got to tell you, there were some good questions here and such a variety of questions, which was so enlightening to me. It's a good reminder that we're all in different stages of this journey. And I always want to honor that and make sure that we aren't leaving anybody out here at Girl Campers. So thank you, everybody, for listening today. I want to thank our sponsors, Setzer world of camping in Huntington, West Virginia. They are the first time buyers dealership. The experienced staff at Setzer's is going to help you find the right model. They have so much stuff over there and, and the dealership is beautiful. The building is beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful, but I love walking around out there. They've got about 150 new and used trailers on the site at any time. And honestly, they have the nicest, nicest staff over there. One of the things I love about Setzer's is when you go in there, one of their first questions is, what are you going to be towing with? They are going to make sure you don't go out the door towing something that your vehicle isn't equipped to tow. And, and they're so ethical that way, and I just love that about them. The other thing they do is they don't let you go out the door without getting you their camping starter kit. They have a reputation for selection, quality, service, and competitive pricing. They're a go-to dealer that serves not only West Virginia, but people come all over from Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee as well to shop at Setzer's. So go online, setzersrv.com, or you could just go over there to Girl Camp and follow that link. I also want to thank our friends at General RV, 13 locations around the country. Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Campco Manufacturing, the people who make all that fun stuff for your boat and RV. And of course, Liberty Outdoors, makers of that great Max and Mini trailer. That is a wrap, everybody. Have a great week. Happy trails.